<laughs> I, I have uh, fun as well. <laughs> All right, so we are on a series called Love Gives. And um, I've been thinking about the words of John. And we're obviously uh, on your handout and on the screen you can see our text. It's from 1 John 4, 8, 4, 7 through 12, but focused on 1 John 4, 8, where our society today would say that love is God, but the truth of the matter is God is love. It is who he is. It's, it's an attribute, it's a characteristic, but it is also an essential uh, attribute. What that means is that you cannot separate love from God. It is essential to who he is, and he is the origin. He's the source. But I want to remind us who is writing this. This is John, and, and clearly, like, in, we believe in the inspiration of Scripture. John is inspired by God the Holy Spirit to write these words. But it is also John who himself, with his physical eyes, saw the eyes of Jesus and heard the tone of Jesus' voice. When Jesus described God's love for us, when Jesus said, God so loved... Uh, Agape, we've been unpacking that Greek word that's used here and the same here. God so loved the world that he gave. It was John who saw the look in Jesus' eyes, who heard the tone of Jesus' voice when he said those words. That's the person who writes, God is love. And I think it's so important to just point out that what we are talking about is living loved. Living loved. What I mean by that, this is not about trying harder. This is not about loving out of your love, being better at loving. That's not what this is about. This is about receiving the love of God first. That, that's where it starts. Trying to love without receiving the love of God first. And I mean fast and furious and often and many times and frequently and every day. Not just a one-time reception. Trying to love out of your love is like trying to use a debit card before you've made a deposit. Doesn't go so well. Right? And what happens... and. It happens as we see some people that fade away from the gathering of believers. And and what I find happens most often is that there isn't a personal interaction with God where the love is overflowing, where the relationship is personal, where it is an experience. I haven't yet found a human problem of the soul that someone has come to me for counsel about that at the source couldn't be fixed by receiving more of God's love. Understanding more of God's love. We talked about this is information that we take in for inspiration, for transformation. It's a life change thing that occurs in your personal interaction with God. Living loved. Not about trying harder. If you haven't grasped this yet, this is a church with theology based on scripture and what that means is not religion. Not legalism, not externally focused, not focused on your outside behavior, but instead focused on the inside and your heart and what's going on between you and God. Where's your love at? 
Not a measure of who you are, how good you are. A measure of how much are you receiving His love. Are you with me? See, there's a big difference there. It's not about you. How you stack up next to somebody else. It's about Daddy God and His love for you that can transform you. Living loved. It's what it's about. That's why we are using this statement as kind of a premise from our text. When I learn more about God's love, I can better receive it, be changed by it, and bring it to others. That's how anything and everything that we've written, that we've talked about, in our, our, our anniversary service on January 29th, our Vision Sunday, we talked to, celebrated everything that we did this past year, looked forward to everything that we were about to do, and if you had to miss that Sunday, you really should listen to it. I can email you the slides with all the pictures. It was a lot of fun. There's nothing that we have done and that we are going to do as a church that can't, that will come if not for this. Because any activity outside of this as a source is empty, is hollow, will run out, you will get tired. When I learn more about God's love, I can better receive it, be changed by it, and bring it to others. And from the scripture, we see the scriptures that are in your hand on the card. God's love is faithful. What we talked about last Sunday. God's love is patient. God's love is kind. God's love is selfless. That's what God's love is really like. It's so easy for us to get it mixed up with human love, and that's not not helpful to us, wouldn't you say? So today I want to call your attention on the card, the side that starts with the agape definition. Down below that, the second half of that part of the card, you'll see... 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 7 in three different translations. So could you grab that and let's look at that together. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 7. And oddly enough, I don't think that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write these words for weddings. Just saying. So the first, you have the new living on top, and then below that you have the ESV and the message. But I'll read the new living first. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Now, I enjoy the New Living. It's a faithful translation of the original language. And in today's English, I think it's maybe the most faithful with the ideas. The ESV for study, for word studies and breaking down the scripture, is maybe the best, the most accurate translation right now for the original Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. The message is a paraphrase written by a pastor, Eugene Peterson, who went back to the original languages and wrote out things, and he pastored in the suburbs of Baltimore, so I find it relevant. So we're going to read these verses with the ESV and then the message right after them. That's what you have next there. Love is patient, kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Love never gives up. Love... Love cares more for others than for self. 
Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep the score of the sins of others. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. From this and many other scriptures, we grab the concept that love is patient. God's love for us is patient. And that's a word that I've never enjoyed. But I want to, just like we've unpacked agape, I want to unpack the Greek a little bit on patient. It's a, it's a fun word. This is a good word. Hupomone. The Greek word used here for patience is a descriptive one. It figuratively means, quote, taking a long time to boil. Think about a pot of boiling water. What factors determine the speed at which it boils? The size of the stove? No. The pot? Yeah, the utensil may have an influence, but the primary factor is the intensity of the flame. Water boils quickly when the flame is high. It boils slowly when the flame is low. Patience keeps the burner down. Patience isn't naive. It doesn't ignore misbehavior. It just keeps the flame low. It waits. It listens. It's slow to boil. This is how God treats us. And according to Jesus, this is how we should treat others. Jesus only uses this word patience in his story about the man forgiven of a multi-million dollar debt by a patient judge to describe God's relationship with us. Jesus uses the word to make a point. God is patient. See, Max Lucado in the book, A Love Worth Giving, says patience is the red carpet upon which God's grace approaches us. We've referred to Exodus chapter 34 where God comes down for the first time and speaks his own name and describes himself. And in that description, God, in in, in the language of Moses, describes himself as long-suffering or he uses a word picture that is to say, when you do something that's so bad, it should anger the other person so that their nostrils flare. And yet mine don't. That was the way that God described himself in that passage. He described himself as over... God described himself in this way. That's amazing. From that and from many other reasons, I think we can read this a little bit differently. Let's go back to, from the New Living, the First Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. And in the place of the word love, we're going to put the name of Jesus. Because Jesus is the representation of God to us. Right? God is love. Jesus is love. So let's let's read that again. So Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Jesus does not demand his own way. Jesus is not irritable. And Jesus keeps no record of being wronged. Jesus does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. 
Jesus never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That is your God. That is the way that your God loves you. Are you getting at least a tickle? (laughs) How many of you think that this week it might be helpful for you to reread that? Would that be encouraging? I mean, if we're going to be in a personal relationship, you can't be in a personal relationship with with another person without learning about them. If you are, you're immature and selfish. Right, right. If we're going to grow in a relationship with God, we need to learn more about who He actually is. And I think we should actually listen to what He says about who He actually is and what His love for us is like. I think we should drink it in slow. Taste it. Savor it. I want to point out that the patience of God is not like this. You feel me? Right? My, my dad uh, told me once the definition of maturity. He said maturity is patience with immaturity. I thought, wow, that is really good. And a few years later, I remember he was telling me. I was immature. <laughs> Let's, let's look at a couple of passages of Scripture. Psalm 103, verse 8, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. The passage from Exodus 34, verse 6, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord isn't really being slow about His promises. Some people think, no, He is patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. God is patient with you. Now think about it this morning. How, how has God's love been patient with you? Have you found God to be quick to anger? To smack you around? Or is that the last resort to save your life? <laughs> Oh, God's love is patient. It's it's who He is. Paul writes in Galatians about the results of a life filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, last week we prayed, we gave an opportunity for you to pray to invite the Holy Spirit into your life. We should have a personal interaction with God where we are immersed in the Holy Spirit, where it is complete, where God the Holy Spirit is overflowing out of us, where we live pursuing God out of a love response, out of a thank you. We live pursuing God. And so Paul writes about what the results of that life would look like. Not a to-do list, not a legalistic, if you're not like this, you're not a Jesus lover, but the results as someone matures, as someone grows closer in their relationship with God, here's what it looks like. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. That's what it looks like. Let's unpack 
patience and what that means. I think there's a really important connection here. Proverbs, that's in the fast food section of your Bible, that's in the middle. Psalms and Proverbs, or any day you can flip to. Proverbs 14.29, patient people have great understanding. Proverbs 11.12, a man of understanding holds his tongue. Proverbs 17.27, a man of understanding is even-tempered. Does this sound a little bit like how God described himself? Now, I want to talk about this a little bit. So, the example of parenthood um, is a good example for this. A parent loving a toddler understands when it has not yet taken its first step. Would we call it very Jesus-like if a parent was like, come on, what's wrong with you? Would that be a Jesus-like parent? What's the matter with you? You're nine months old. You haven't taken a step. Joey did. Charlotte did. That's not... Patience has understanding. And here's one of the things that's so important for us to learn and understand. Where is Jesus right now? Well, the scripture reveals that he's at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. It's God the Holy Spirit that we talk to here on this earth. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now, making intercession. That means praying in a way that is standing in the gap for you. Now, I don't know where your theology is, but I believe that Jesus on earth was 100% God, 100% human, and that means that he experienced temptation at a way where he could have fallen. That might sound blasphemous to your upbringing, but I believe that faithful theology says that when Jesus walked this earth, he set aside his divinity. Otherwise, he could not have had a full human experience. Jesus understood what weakness felt like. Jesus understood what physical pain felt like. You think that when he took the lashes, when he was crucified and tortured, he didn't have physical pain? No, he had physical pain. Because on earth, he was fully human. Who better to be standing at the right hand of the Father right now, making intercession for you, explaining to the Father what the human experience is like? Daddy God has patience with you in his love based on understanding, based on who Jesus is. This is, are you getting this? God's patience isn't just because he's amazing and you're horrible. No, it's a personal relationship with us. God's love for us includes patience, which includes understanding, which is in part due to a personal relationship, a triune God, Jesus, our Savior, who is communicating to God about what our experience is really like. This is greatly comforting. I remember when I was in middle school, I was really betrayed, really backstabbed by one other guy in particular who I thought was my best friend. And I was wanting nothing but to be alone. And at the time, we had this college-age guy who was renting a room from us, living in our house, and my parents were out of town, and he was taking care of the house. He just wouldn't leave me alone. What's the matter with you? And I finally told him what was going on. And he talked with me, talked with me, talked with me, listened to me, listened to me, listened to me, and he finally said, you know that Jesus also knew what it was like to be betrayed? I am so thankful that Jesus went through what he went through 
and can understand how I feel. Patience includes understanding. It's like being at the front of your favorite class and there's people in the back of the room talking. And then you realize that one is interpreting into another language for the other one. Patience includes understanding. Listen, with liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat, all this racial stuff going on, everything, what we need in humanity today is Jesus, His love based on patience and understanding. And that doesn't come by me sitting at home in my living room. There will be no more diversity in this church than there is in our personal lives. I need to learn more about someone else, someone who has had a different life experience than me, someone who thinks differently than me, someone who feels differently than me. We've had long relationship with a pastor here that's done amazing things who was an illegal immigrant, who was here illegally. I've had a lot of relationship with people that are here illegally. If you haven't had personal relationship, you don't understand what they're going through. Does our world need more of God's love today? Is it important to what degree you have tasted and digested God's love for you? God's love for you is patient. His love is kind. It's patient. It's kind. This is so good. We got to learn that impatience imprisons the soul. When we live in that immaturity of being impatient, it imprisons our soul. Before we go to the questions, I want to come back to reading this passage again. Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Jesus does not demand his own way. Jesus is not irritable and keeps no record of being wronged. Jesus does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Jesus never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That is the way that God has loved you. I think it's easy for you to already draw the conclusion that the amount of patience that you have in your life right now for others is connected to how much of God's love you have received. Remember what we talked about at the beginning. This is about living love, not trying harder, but receiving God's love for you first. But if I would give us one more thought and to-do list besides the obvious, let's consider the passages in Scripture that encourage us to wait on the Lord. Now, I find that um, in our carnal nature, our flesh. The thing we want to do maybe the least is go to prayer meetings. Now, I'm not talking about where they're playing really cool worship music and it's dark and there's lights and fog. I'm talking about like actually praying. Not talking about prayer, not listening to teaching about prayer, but actually praying. We do in our life groups, we do during the service, we do here every Sunday at 9.30. What I find is that 
it doesn't come naturally to our human nature to wait on the Lord. Ancient Christian monks who wrote amazing, beautiful stuff about the love of God, the grace of God, that really influenced uh, the Reformation. They wrote about waiting on God. And what I'm talking about is praying where somebody doesn't have to always be talking. I'm talking about praying where you're spending time in God's presence, where you were focused on Him, where you don't have to be active, where you could be resting in your salvation, where you could be soaking in His presence, but where you are pursuing Him actively. When you're in a state of mind, when you're in a state of being, where you understand meditation, and whether it's silent prayer, vocal prayer, singing prayer, you pray through the Psalms, you pray in such a way where you are literally pursuing a state of being where you are more aware of the presence of God than anything else. That's something that we believe in in this church and that I implore you as your pastor to pursue. Ancient Christian monks, here's what they called that. Chasing the wild goose. Google it. Like, literally, that's where we get the phrase, wild goose chase. True story. This, we get benefit from reminders and from regiment and schedule their benefit to us. But this following Jesus thing is not about doing it the same day, the same way, every time. It's a personal relationship where you've got to chase the wild goose. You. Not me, for you. Not you watching me do it. You. you got to chase the wild goose. you got to spend time in his presence, soaking in truth that has come from him about who he is, about what his love is. That means taking the love of God, this truth about the love of God, breathing it in. It's a sensory experience. It is a personal experience. Applying it to yourself, to what you feel, to what you think. Allowing it to press out the wrong ideas, the wrong feelings. Allowing it to bring healing to your soul. God cares about even... Do you know that the Psalms are filled with sin? David sins in his songs. He speaks out negatively against God. And even Jesus quoted some of that. You know why? Because God's not afraid of us saying bad things, bad words, or bad attitudes. God's love is patient. He has understanding. That's, until we believe that that is who God is, we will always struggle to come to Him with honesty. Because we don't fully believe that He really loves us that we can really meet with Him, that we can really experience His presence in this way. What I am talking about is not something that is for clergy or for apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. What I'm talking about is something that is for everybody. Chasing the wild goose. Are we faithful to wait on the Lord? To wait patiently for His presence? I know when some of y'all don't answer my texts or phone calls or whatever because you're not having a good day. It's okay. I love you. I pray for you. I know because a part of the, what you don't want to have is to have that conversation, yeah, I haven't prayed today or in six weeks. That's okay. I love you. God loves you. God understands. God's love for you is patient. But I implore you. I invite you. Because in it there is pleasure beyond any you've experienced. To stop thinking about, can I get five minutes with God? But start thinking about, how can I knock out major things so that is all that I do and I'm not looking at the clock? 
The Finney brothers, the revivalists, their mother had so many kids. She was busy, active. But what she would do to spend time to chase the wild goose is she would stand in her kitchen with her apron over her head and the boys knew you better not trouble mama when her apron was over her head. You have to do whatever it takes. We have to start thinking about this like it is essential to our survival because it is. I don't want to get there someday and have Jesus say, depart from me, I never knew you. You know that you can taste heaven on earth. I think those old tubby guys with the oval, you know, hair chasing the wild goose, I think they had something in that. I think the psalmist, who was himself impatient, had something when he said, I will wait on the Lord. We read those songs too quick and we miss the emotional change, the shift that occurs in the songs. God loves you. God loves you. God is, God's love is patient with you because He understands. Too much too deep today? Come on, somebody. We can accept His forgiveness freely and quickly and readily because that's how His forgiveness comes to us. Don't let guilt or condemnation keep you from coming to Him. No, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. We come based on who God is, on who Jesus is, not based on who we are in our actions or our thoughts. Come on, isn't this beautiful? At Bishop Joseph Garlington in the Pittsburgh area, some good things can come from Pittsburgh, <laughs> sang this song of the Lord in a concert. Let's see. It's so easy to love you. It's so easy to love you. It's so easy to love you. Because you're wonderful. That's a, a fragrance. That's a emotional connection with the living God that comes out of waiting on the Lord. Being patient with Him in His presence. Isn't that beautiful? It's life changing. God loves you personally, powerfully, passionately. That's who he is. Before we close, I want to read. It's Black History Month. And um, I think that every month is Black History Month. But I do find it helpful reading from Martin Luther King Jr. His letter from a Birmingham jail, which you can easily, it's free PDF on the internet you can read. He was in jail because he'd gone from Atlanta to Birmingham to join with the civil unrest there with great reason. And this letter is written because he'd received criticism, open public criticism, from eight white pastors. And this is his response. And I'm just going to read a couple of excerpts as an example of how God's patient love, even in this moment, was working patience 
in Martin Luther King Jr. Since I feel that you are men of genuine goodwill and your criticisms are sincerely set forth, I would like to answer your statement in what I hope will be patient and reasonable terms. I think I should give the reason for my being in Birmingham. I'm in Birmingham because injustice is here. I cannot sit idly by in Atlanta and not be concerned about what happens in Birmingham. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. I would not hesitate to say that it is unfortunate that so-called demonstrations are taking place in Birmingham at this time. But I would say in more emphatic terms that it is even more unfortunate that the white power structure of this city left the Negro community with no other alternative. In any nonviolent campaign, there are four basic steps. Collection of the facts to determine whether injustices are alive. Negotiation. Self-purification. And direct action. We have gone through all of these steps in Birmingham. There can be no gainsaying of the fact that racial injustice engulfs this community. Birmingham is probably the most thoroughly segregated city in the United States. Its ugly record of police brutality is known in every section of this country. In its, its unjust treatment of Negroes in the courts is a notorious reality. There have been more unsolved bombings of Negro homes and churches in Birmingham than in any other city in this nation. These are the hard, brutal, and unbelievable facts. On the basis of them, Negro leaders sought to negotiate with the city fathers, but the political leaders consistently refused to engage in good faith negotiation. I received a letter this morning from a white brother in Texas which said, quote, All Christians know that the colored people will receive equal rights eventually, but is it possible that you are in too great a religious hurry? It has taken Christianity almost 2,000 years to accomplish what it has. The teachings of Christ take time to come to earth, unquote. He replies with, Oppressed people cannot remain oppressed forever. The urge for freedom will eventually come. One day the South will know that when these disinherited children of God sat down at lunch counters, they were in reality standing up for the best in the American dream and the most sacred values in our Judeo-Christian heritage. If I have said anything in this letter that is an understatement of the truth and is indicative of an unreasonable impatience, I beg you to forgive me. If I have said anything in this letter that is an overstatement of the truth and indicative of my having a patience that makes me patient with anything less than brotherhood, I beg God to forgive me. Even in dark, violent, confusing, complicated times, whether or not we are receiving daily the patient love of God matters. It matters today. So, the questions that each week I want us to be examining to help us personally unpack these truths. What is God's love? What does God's love look like? What does this say about God? What does this say about me? What does this mean? And how does it affect today? 
I think everyone in this room should consider how God in his love has been patient with you personally. Like this is a really good thing to reflect on, to take joy from, because it reveals it is who God is, it is how he has loved you, and it is indicative of the truth that you matter to God. You matter. And if you matter to God in this way, if you were loved by him that way, you can live loved and live changed. Will you stand with me and I'll put the prayer on the screen again. So here's, I'll just read this prayer and close us in prayer. And if you'd like to receive prayer today, please don't hesitate to ask, step out, let's receive God's love. God, you are more important to me than anything else in this world. Thank you for taking away the guilt of my sin through Jesus. Please help me to receive your love as you intended it. Please help me be changed by your love. Please help me share your love with others. God, we need help. Lord, today it's so easy for us to be distracted by how we have experienced love from other humans and to not accept your love and purity as you intended it. And so today, as we've been exposed to the scripture and the truth of who you are and how your love works, help us to soak it in. Help it to be a joy to us today. Help it to be a life-changing joy.